Welcome to Bangalore Revival Center. Here we dream revival and serve people with love. Today Pastor Prithvi teaches from a new series called Loyalty. He shares what it means to be loyal from the life of Ruth. Stay tuned to listen to this beautiful story. So today we are starting a new series titled Loyalty. What do you understand about loyalty? What is your definition? What is your understanding? What is your perspective about loyalty? being faithful submission dedicated to a cause having having one master wow that's that's good okay so in this next few weeks i want us to journey together through scripture different stories we will read of stories of loyalty in the scripture You know, we need to develop loyalty in our relationship with God. Because that is going to naturally overflow into our human relationships. It is going to overflow into our relationships with one another here in the church. It is going to overflow into our relationships at home. It is going to overflow into our relationships at work. It is going to overflow into the relationships that we we don't really take seriously but it all begins with our relationship with god when our relationship with god is at a low automatically that is going to affect all other relationships we are going to be unfaithful in human relationships so what i have defined loyalty to be is a combination of spirit filled kindness and faithfulness Okay if you read the fruit of the spirit in Galatians chapter 5 you would find Paul telling us that the fruit of the spirit is love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness and self control so there are two particular uh, fruits mentioned here one is kindness and one is faithfulness so if you put the two of them together we we get loyalty let's study that let's begin with psalm 12 and verse 1 help o lord for the godly are fast disappearing the faithful have vanished from the other the psalmist is praying and he is asking god Why is this happening Lord why is it that the faithful are no longer seen why is there lack of faithful people on the earth and the reason being that there are no godly people on the earth like i told you when my relationship with god is on a low it will automatically decrease my faithfulness in human relationships that's why he said the godly are fast disappearing because of which the faithful have vanished from the earth see this guy david he was looking at his human relationships he was evaluating all of them and what he found was that not many people around me are faithful not many people around me can i rely on can i trust on can i bank on can i depend upon and then he says it's the result of ungodliness is unfaithfulness so if i have to get my faithfulness correct 
If I have to get my loyalty in the right place, then I have to restore my godliness, my relationship with God. Then he explains what he, what he means by saying unfaithful. Verse 2, neighbors, they lie to each other, speaking with flattering lips and deceitful hearts. How do they lie to each other? With flattering lips and deceitful hearts. In other words, it's not just what this person speaks, but it's also what this person thinks inside that determines their loyalty. It's not just that I tell you on the outside and I, I'm, I'm be, being with you and I'm helping you and I'm giving you everything on the outside, but how I do it on the inside. Does my heart agree with what I say and do on the outside? That is what matters here because he says, hey, look at this, neighbors, those that are supposed to love each other, those that are supposed to serve each other, what are they doing? They are now lying to each other. And how are they lying to each other? Not by hiding something that is happening. That's not what he's saying. He's not saying that, hey, these guys, they, they are not, uh, you know, telling you that, you know, that there is something happening in their lives or they are not telling you what they should be telling you. That's not what he's saying. He's saying that there are, they use flattering lips, which means when they talk to your face, they are praising you. They're talking well about you. They're talking good to you. But behind your back, they have a bad intention. They don't really believe what they said about you. And that is a sign of unfaithfulness. Now, when, when we think unfaithfulness is, you know, is only defined by something very serious. But here is David saying, no, it's in the words that you speak and in the thoughts that you have in your heart. The next verse, he says, may the Lord cut off their flattering lips and silence their boastful tongues. This is a prayer we can pray about ourselves. Saying, Lord, give me the grace to cut off my flattering lips and to silence my boastful tongue. There are times when our old man creeps up, right? James said it like this. He said, you can control everything but not your tongue. You, you, you can even bring down forest fires but your tongue is a massive weapon. You, you may be able to steer an entire ship, but you may not be easily able to tame your tongue. So it's a good prayer to pray saying, Lord, if there are times when my tongue is not loyal, give me the grace to cut it off. Give me the grace to silence it. I need your help. It is not possible in my own ability. I need you to strengthen me. Verse 4. Because they say, we will lie to whom? To our heart's content. We will keep lying to our heart's content. Our lips are our own. Nobody knows what we are saying. Nobody knows if we mean what we are saying. Who can stop us? This, this, this is as arrogant as arrogant can get. What they are saying is, I, I'm just going to say whatever I feel like. I'm just going to you know, be careless with my words. I'm just going to 
do however you know in the moment of hurt i will blurt out whatever i want to in the moment of anger i will when i'm when i'm feeling a little little dissatisfied in a relationship i'll just go out and i'll say whatever i want to who can stop me who can stop me you know these are words that have come from a very prideful heart that is a sign whenever you would ask a question saying who can stop me or how can somebody hurt me how can my family or how can my church or how can my uh, employer how can they hurt me when we ask this question we are in fact taking god out of the picture he is the judge of all flesh he is the one who sees what your eyes cannot see he's the one who sees that your enemy cannot see he's the one who sees what your parents or your family members can't see and he will always bring each and every one of us to justice and you should understand sometimes we just think that uh you know jesus is uh, a, a means we can use to easily escape judgment easily escape uh punishment easily escape uh discipline but the bible says the one that god loves he will discipline not that he will just okay it's okay i love you i have grace on you i have love for you so it's okay you just live however you want to live no if i love my child one of the signs that i love my child is that i'm going to be very strict with him i'm going to discipline him when he goes wrong i'm going to hurt him all of you guys may think it's cruel but i will hurt him just so i can protect him from what he is going to do 20 years from today so when god loves us he's not just going to let you go do whatever you want to do when he has given upon you that's when he lets you go and do whatever you want to do but when he loves you he is going to pull you by your collar and he is going to take your case so it's a good thing when god does take our case it's a good thing when god does judges here on the earth because then we will not be judged on the other side one such story that we are going to study today is the story of ruth how many of you know the story of ruth this is a story that i have preached countless number of times and i can continue to preach countless number of times just this last week i preached this at the wedding we were in in delhi and uh, we'll we'll read through the first 17 verses of this chapter are you okay with that okay ruth chapter 1 and verse 1 the bible says in the days when the judges ruled in israel a severe famine came through the land so a man from bethlehem in juda left his home and went to live in the country of moab taking his wife and his two sons with him this is a time in the history of juda where the bible says there was a severe famine not an ordinary famine but a severe famine came upon the land how many of you know that famine can really test relationships famine can really test loyalty famine can really test your faithfulness so sometimes god would allow certain famines in your life do you know the story of job what happened to him everything that he had was taken away and what was god testing 
Will he still be loyal to me? Will he still be, be, be clinging on to his allegiance to me? And all of what Job said, the Bible says he did not say anything, sin with his mouth, with his words. It's not about what he uh, you know, did or didn't do. It's about the words that he spoke. He didn't speak one word of faithlessness towards God. In all that he did, in all the ups and the lows, in all the tearing clothes and, and weeping and mourning and being sad and, and all of that, he didn't speak one word of distrust in God's will over his life. And the Bible says there was a famine in this land. And immediately, they, they devise a plan. And now they are saying, this place cannot sustain us anymore. You know, God had ordained for them to settle in Bethlehem. When they came into the land of Canaan, Joshua, they, he, he divided each place, he divided and he said, all of you guys from Ephraim, you will settle here. All of you guys from uh, you know, Manasseh, you will settle here. All of you from Asher, you will settle here. All of you from Judah, Bethlehem was given to Judah, to the tribe of Judah. And he said, all of you from the tribe of Judah, hey, Bethlehem is also one of the towns where you will settle in. And so he allotted each land and he said, this is the place that you need to live in. This is the place you need to do your families. This is the place where you become uh, prosperous and plenty. And this is the place where you have to, uh, you know, you, you know, just become loyal and faithful to. But at one point, that place stopped producing fruit for them. That place stopped producing results for them. That place stopped giving them the answers to the prayers that they were praying. That place became a dry place. It became a waterless place. And automatically, the man of the house, I'm sure, Elimelech, he, he stood up and he said, okay, we've, we've tried all means possible, but this place is not producing any results. We worked hard, we are, we are giving it all the manure we can, we are giving it all, we, we, you know, see this is a church I'm committed to, I'm paying my tithes here, I'm serving in the church, I've been, I've been like attending all the services, I'm not missing a single live stream or in-person service, I've been doing everything right, but look at my life, it doesn't seem to be going anywhere, it doesn't seem to be bringing out any results, it's not, it's not looking like this is, this is my place to be. But then my forefathers, they have said that this is my place to be. My forefathers, they, they came and they settled here. There was a voice that came from God and, and, and there was a proper division of land. All of that is right. It seems to be working for the Sings and the Verguses and, the, and all these other names, but it doesn't seem to be working for Elimelech and Naomi. For some reason, there were so many people in Bethlehem and there was, the famine didn't just hit this one family. The famine hit the entire city of Bethlehem or the village or the whole land it hit. But nobody died in Bethlehem. Did you know that? People didn't die out of that famine. People didn't suffer in that famine. But here is one family who said, time's up, we have to, we have to get rid of our loyalty. 
We have to get rid of our faithfulness. We have to get rid of this, you know, thing that we are holding on to. You know, we are saying this is everything that our parents gave us and our parents' parents gave us. This has been handed down to us. But is God speaking to me today? Is God telling me anything today? No, God is not saying anything. So I'm going to move on. I'm going to move on to where I'm getting results. I want results and I want to see results today. I want to see results right now. So I'm going to move. So they decided. They had a family meeting. All four of them said, okay, dad, whatever you say, let's do it. And, and, and they decided to leave. My opinion is that when they decided to leave, their decision was, we'll go for a season. For a season. Let's go till this famine doesn't come down till we start seeing better results in our city. Let's go for a season. That's, that's probably what they decided. But let's read the next verse. It says, the man's name was Elimelech and his wife was Naomi. Their two sons were Mahalon and Kilian. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem in the land of Judah. And when they reached Moab, when they reached Moab, see, they, they did not go with the plan of settling there. They went with the plan of finding somewhere else where we can be fed, somewhere else where our careers can be easily taken care of, somewhere else where we can feel at home. But the Bible says when they reached Moab, they saw the land, they saw the cars they drive, they saw the prosperity here, and they, they're like, man, Back from where we come from, you know, you know, we, we, we are like, we, we have not even seen the world. This is it. This is life. This is abundance. This is prosperity. And the Bible says they all of a sudden, they decided, now we are going to settle here. So you see how one compromise led to a further compromise? They didn't choose to settle there all of a sudden. When the famine came, it tested the state of their heart. And that led them to another place where they saw that these guys, they have better than what we uh, got back in Bethlehem. And they decided, okay, this is where we are going to settle ourselves in. And how many of you know that settling outside the purposes of God for your life can be very dangerous? Settling outside the plans of God for your life can be very dangerous. Settling away from what God has ordained for your life can be very dangerous. Am I trying to scare you? Yes, I am. Yeah, I'm trying to scare you this morning. I'm, I'm not trying to just say, oh, it's okay, everything will be all right, brother. No, no, no. Sometimes going outside God's will is the scariest thing. You can get swallowed by a fish. The same fish that you make curry of, that same fish can make you into his curry if you, if you try to go out of God's will. It can be very dangerous. I mean, thank God that, you know, this guy got a second chance. But many people, they don't get a second chance. Jo Jonah, he got a second chance. But many people, the story goes on to say in verse 3, then what happened to Elimelech? Elimelech died. And what happened? And Naomi was left with her two sons. See, 
Elimelech and Naomi, they would have stood before each other and they would have exchanged vows on their wedding day and Elimelech would have said, man, I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. I'm never going to leave you to be by yourself. But there came a day that his tiny compromise, his unfaithfulness to his calling, his unfaithfulness to where God had called him to settle, now led him to a place where he was being unfaithful where he was, his faithfulness was restricted. Now he could no longer be loyal to his wife. See, when we make one compromise, it will automatically lead us to a bigger compromise. So it's not like Elimelech doesn't want to be faithful to his wife. He doesn't want to keep his promises. Now he's restricted. Now everything that he was able to do in Bethlehem, he doesn't have the capacity to do that in Moab anymore. It's not like he doesn't want to. I still want to serve God. I still want to love him. I still want to, you know, do ministry. I still want to raise a godly family. But right now, I am dying here. Right now, I'm, 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 I'm not able to do this. I'm, because I compromised once, now I'm not able to give my 100% to my marriage. I'm not able to give my 100% to my children. I'm, you know, nothing good seems to come out of this. And the Bible says, Naomi, she was left. She was isolated. She was left just with her two sons. Verse 4, then the two sons, they decided, let's, let's continue this. See, at this point, they, this could have been a warning for the family. And they could have said, okay, let's, let's get back to Bethlehem. This is not cool. This is not right. That for me, you know, is a thing that it was not just Elimelech's idea to move to Moab. It was also Naomi's idea. Because even after the husband died, because if it was only the husband's idea, then they would have said, okay, guys, you know, the person who was trying to take us away from Bethlehem, he's gone. Now let's go back to Bethlehem. If we don't have food, let's live without food. If we don't have drink, we'll live without it. But we have to go back to Bethlehem. They could have said that, but they said no. You know, the mother convinced the two children to get married to a Moabite woman. And this was banned in the Old Testament. When, when the law was given, it was banned. They were not allowed to take wives outside of, the, uh, of their families. It says in verse 4, the two sons, they married Moabite women. One married a woman named Orpah, and the other married somebody by the name Ruth. Okay, now these, these are guys who are unfaithful. These are guys who have compromised in so many levels. Compromised in their relationship with God. Compromised in their relationships with each other. Now making a further compromise in getting married to these women. But it says about 10 years later. So they've been married for how long? 10 years and they don't have any children in those 10 years. There is barrenness. Where? In Moab. See, when, when, when they look outside the window, they're like, this is not happening to anybody else. This is only happening to us. Why? Because you're in the wrong place. See, there is prosperity. There is good food to eat on your table. But there is spiritual unfruitfulness. They are not able to reproduce. It says that 10 years later, 
they were still barren. Both the husbands, Marlon and Killian, they died. It says, this left Naomi alone without her two sons or her husband. Look at Naomi's state. Naomi wanted comfort. Naomi wanted convenience. Naomi wanted her life to be settled, her life to be secure. But now she's in a place that the only people who could have brought some security in her life, they have left her all alone. Then the Bible says, Naomi, she heard in Moab that the Lord had blessed his people in Judah by giving them good crops again. So check this out, okay? The, the same time period that it took for, for Naomi's children and her husband to die was the time period that it took for God to begin to bless Judah. Which means God was waiting to test and see these guys if they are going to be faithful for this particular time period. And in that time period, the steps that they took to go away from God. Initially, it was only Elimelech's fault and only Elimelech died. And then the sons partnered with it and they were like, we also want to settle here. Let's also get married here and we'll also settle here. And the sons also died, the Bible says. So finally, when their, when their time, their time of testing was over, the Bible says that God started blessing Judah. God started blessing the people in Judah and they started getting good crops. And not only did they started getting blessing and revival and, and fruitfulness, now Naomi in Moab, she begins to hear about it. So here is a woman, you know, she's located in Moab, but her ears are still connected to Bethlehem. She's still listening to what's happening in, in the place that God had ordained her to be in. She is still following them on Instagram. She's still checking them out saying, okay, what is happening? Is there any revival in this church yet? And finally, she, she decides. It says, so Naomi and her daughter-in-law got ready, meaning they prepared you know how, how much work it is? They went through a whole process. They sold their house. They sold their vehicles. They sold everything that they couldn't take on the journey. You know that you know, flights, they have a minimum, maximum luggage capacity you can take. So you, you have to discard everything else and liquidate your, all of your assets and get everything in cash. And so it's a whole lot of work. And these three women, they prepared, they got ready and they were leaving back to the homeland. The next verse, it says, with her two daughters-in-law, she set out from the place where she had been living and they took the road that would lead them back to Judah, which means they, they all, all three of them were in one mind, one accord, and then they together left for Judah. So it was not just Naomi who left. It was not just Naomi and Ruth who left. It was the three of them together, they decided and they started a particular journey. So the discussion that went on before they decided to leave to Judah all three of them were of the same opinion. Yes, it's time. All three of them said, let's go back. All three of them agreed. All three of them got confirmation. All three of them got, got Bible verses saying, okay, God is calling us to do this. 
all three of them saw visions. All three of them had the confirmation that, yes, we need to do this. All three of them, they had a revelation from God. And yet, you know, the story goes on to say that not all three of them reached the land of Judah. Okay? They were on the road that would lead them back to Judah. But on the way, Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, because the more they walked, the, the more tiring it got the harder the realization started hitting them. Because, you see, when they left Moab, when they were in Moab, they could see the plenty and they could see the prosperity and they could see all the great things in Moab. But the further they walked away from Moab, the, the drier it got, the harder it got, the plains uh, started becoming hills and valleys. You know, Canaan was a land of hills and valleys. The, 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 they started seeing a lot of difficulty in their journey. And then Naomi she said to her two daughters-in-law, why don't you go back to your mothers? Why don't you go back to your homes? And may the Lord reward you for your kindness to your husbands and to me. So these, these women, they have been incredibly kind. That's why I said uh, loyalty is a combination of kindness and faithfulness. So these women, when, when they were serving the mother-in-law and serving their husbands, they were not being faithful. They were being kind. That is called kindness. Faithfulness comes at a later point when, when they didn't get anything in return. Because see, as long as you're getting something in return, it's easy for you to be faithful. It's easy for you to be. That's not called faithfulness. That's called kindness. That's called you, you're, a, you're a sound person. As long as you're loved, you love back. As long as they treat you well, you treat them well back. But that's, that's, that's got nothing to do with faithfulness. So she's saying, may the Lord reward you. You've been kind to me. You've been kind to your husbands. May the Lord reward you. Now, why don't you go back to your mothers? Why don't you go back to your homes? You can go and at least you can have a successful life. Uh, the next verse May the Lord bless you with the security of another marriage. The reason she's saying this is because she knows very well that now I cannot give them the security of another marriage. When they come back to Bethlehem, nobody there marries a Moabite woman. And nobody there would even want to marry a widowed Moabite woman. It's, it's, it's even more harder. And she's saying, why don't you go back to your homes? Why don't you go back to your parents? May the Lord bless you. See, you should see that you should understand that Naomi, when she's saying this, she's saying with a full heart. She has seen the kindness. These daughters-in-law, they are not like Indian daughters-in-law that we see on the serials. You know, they, Naomi is very happy with them. Naomi is like, these girls, they served me even when their husbands died. Even when they saw that I don't have anything else, they still served me. They still stood with me. They, in fact, left their parents' land and they traveled with me all this way. So, so with a full heart, she's blessing them and she's saying, now you go and enjoy the security of another marriage. You know what most of us would do? Thank you so much. I received that blessing. Here is an offering. And we would gladly take that blessing and we would run away. Come on now, be honest with me. Don't hide your real emotions this morning. Now, if a man of God comes to you and says, you know, 
my time with you is up. Here is my blessing. I have laid my hands on you. All the gift is already imparted into you. Now, go on, enjoy. May the Lord plant you in another church. May the Lord give you another spiritual family. May the Lord give you everything that you need. What, what will you do? Okay, thank you. God has spoken. This was the word I was waiting for. I now have a confirmation. I was waiting for this. And we'll move on. And, and that's exactly what happened here. Now, at first, the Bible says, they, 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 they refused the next verse. No, they said, we want to go with you to your people. Your people. So they, they, they were not actually looking for rewards. They were not looking for security. They were not looking for uh, benefit. Both of them said, no, this is it. We just want to go and be with your people. We want to know all the stories that you have told us about Moses, all the stories that you have told us about this Joshua, all the stories about this God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. We want to see how this God is worshipped. So we want to go and be with your people. It's okay if we don't have the security of another marriage. But the Bible says, but, but Naomi replied, and in this reply, she begins to clarify, and she says, why should you go on with me? Give me a good reason why you should go on with me. Can I still give birth to other sons who could grow up to be your husbands? No, my daughters, the next line, no, my daughters, return to your parents' homes, for I am too old to marry again. And even if it were possible that I were to get married tonight and bear sons, then what? Are you going to wait? Would you wait for them to grow up and refuse to marry someone else till the time they grow up? No, of course, not possible, my daughters. Things are far more bitter for me than they are for you. Because the Lord himself has raised his fist against me. Now, Naomi is trying to give a very spiritual explanation. And the fact was that God had abandoned Naomi. The fact was that God was disciplining Naomi. The fact was, it was the truth of the matter that God was taking her through a process of pruning and, and, and changing her and, and, and doing everything possible to teach her his ways. See, I, I, I don't think that you know, Elimelech was the one to be punished. See, if you die, you're not necessarily being punished. You're taken to another place. But, but, but here was somebody who was living here on the earth, and she had to bear with the consequences of those choices. It was not necessarily Elimelech's discipline. It was discipline for Naomi. Death is not discipline. God is not going to discipline you by killing you. Sometimes death is a reward. Yeah, it is a reward. When God takes you out of a situation and God, God says, okay, I, I know that I, you don't have to bear this. God takes you out of it. That's a blessing. That's a reward. But it was a lesson for Naomi. She was going through this process and she's like, God has dealt his fist against me. Can you imagine what she's saying? That I'm getting punched by God. And, and she's saying, my life has become so bitter because of this. All my choices, all the decisions that I thought I was doing it right, all the decisions that I thought I was doing it for my betterment, all of them happens to work against me today. But 
it's not so bad for you guys. Why don't you go back to your hometown? And why don't you find the security of another marriage? Because I can't give you that. I am 100% sure. Because in the back of their minds, they, they still thought, they still had some hope that Naomi could do something for them. But Naomi said, it's not possible. It's never going to happen. She was so hurt. She was so bitter. She said, this is it. There's nothing else left for me to give to you. Now, when, when we reach a place in our relationship where we see that God is not on the side of this person. See, anybody can serve a man of God. Anybody can serve a husband or a wife as long as they are godly, as long as they are doing the right things and, you know, saying the right things. But, but the day that they, they, their screw is off, that the day they, they start saying things that are not in scripture anymore, the day they start going off on a tangent that, that you, you, you didn't expect them to, will you still be faithful? Because that's, as long as they are being right and good and nice to you and if you're being faithful to them, that's not faithful. That's just called, oh, you're being kind because you're being blessed and you're just returning that kindness by saying, wow, I love my husband, I love my wife, I love my children, I love my church, my pastor, I love my office, what a blessing it is to work here. I get bonus every six months. It's easy to be kind back to others that are kind to us. But, but here, is a, here is a family where she's, she's openly telling her, there's nothing good coming out of me anymore. You're not going to be benefiting in this relationship. And this is the response of these two girls. It says, for a second time, they wept together. And Orpah, she kissed her mother-in-law, but it was a kiss of goodbye. She, she expressed her love for her mother-in-law, but she said, okay, thank you for this blessing. Thank you for allowing me to serve you so far. This is the maximum that I can do, and I did everything that I can, and I'm going to listen to you, and I'm going to go away from you. But then the Bible says, Ruth, she also wept. She also heard the same thing. She also went through the exact same issues that Orpah went through, but her response was different. She said, I'm going to now cling even more tightly to Naomi. Orpah, she kissed her mother-in-law goodbye and she took the first bus out and she said, this is it. Thank you so much. I'll write to you. I will send you a message when I get back home. But the Bible says, Ruth, she began to Cling to Naomi. Cling to Naomi. And, and she's holding tight to Naomi. Just in case she wakes up in the middle of the night and she leaves off. She makes sure to cling to her. You know, there's another prophet in the Bible by the name Elijah. It says, Elijah went to Elisha one day and said, this is it. I have blessed you. My time is up. I need to let you off. Why didn't you stay here and, and I'm going to go on to the next city? And the Bible says, Elisha did what Ruth did here. He actually clung to Elijah. And he said, I'm not letting you off. I don't care how long it takes. I don't care what I get or don't get out of this. I'm going to stay put here and I'm going to stay committed in this relationship till I reach the other end. And he kept holding on to his prophet. Now, 
Elijah is like, what else can I give you? I have prayed over you. I have given you my mantle. I have given you everything. There's nothing else left for me to give to you. Why, why are you doing this? And Elisha, he continued to just cling on to Elijah in spite of knowing that there is nothing else that Elijah can actually do for him. You should understand, Elijah is almost defeated by this point. He's hurt with God. He's run, he's run away from Jezebel. He's run away from his calling. He's saying, I can't do this anymore. I don't want to serve God anymore. He's, he's a defeated man in life. You don't want to be around a man like that. Because that defeat can sometimes be contagious. But Elisha said, no, I, I don't care if, you're, if you've got your theology correct. I don't care if you're anointed enough for me or not. I'm just going to cling on to you. Because something happened in that, in that, in that clinging on. The Bible says a double portion of the spirit that was on Elijah came now on Elisha. Three times Elijah said, it's okay, stay here, it's okay, stay here, it's okay, stay here. Three times he kept moving from city to city. You know, I, I think that God didn't want Elijah to travel three cities. It was only one city. But Elijah moved from these three cities just to shake off Elisha. Just to see if he'll leave. Will he stop now? Will he let go today? Will he, will he give up today? And that's exactly what Naomi did. And what many of us would see is an opportunity to change my uh, course of action and change my direction and, 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 and cling on to something new, a new blessing, a new opportunity, was in fact a test for Ruth to prove her faithfulness. For Orpah, she just saw this as an opportunity that God is giving her to go find security in her life. But Ruth said, I don't care if I'm not secure anymore. I don't care if I, I, I have to work my way through this. I don't care if I have to serve my mother-in-law for the rest of my life without having the blessing of a husband. I am going to cling tightly to Naomi. I'm going to cling tightly to Naomi. We don't know the story of Orpah, but we do know the story of Ruth. We do know how she became the grandmother of King David. We do know the story of how she became the great-great-grandmother to Jesus. One of the only Moabite women to be mentioned in the genealogy of Jesus. There was a prediction, there was a word given that Jesus would come through the family line of Judah. But then the only exception was that the woman that God used in the process was a Moabite. One of the women that God would use in this family line was a woman who proved to be loyal who clung to her failures, who clung to her, her unfruitfulness, who clung to this situation that didn't produce any answers for her because now she had had a revelation. See, she didn't, I, I, I'm very sure that it is not because she was being emotional because, there, you know, emotions can dry out at one point, right? You know how Peter was the most emotional guy and he told Jesus, I, I'm going to be with you. No matter what happens, I'm going to, I'm going to even die with you if, if necessary. I'm going to be going to the jail for you. And I'll do whatever it takes. I will be with you. And that very same night, Peter disowned Jesus. That very same night, Peter said, I don't even know this guy. And here is this woman. She, she had a revelation of who Naomi is. And she clung tightly to Naomi. 
clung tightly to Naomi. I pray that this word, clung tightly, will be a revelation for you today. That you will know what do you need to cling on to. You will know what you need to hold on to. You will know those people in your life that you need to just embrace with everything. You would know those assignments in your life. That Bethlehem that God has shown you. That, that, that institutions where you have to cling on to with everything. You, you, you will know how to give you a hundred percent to some of these things. It says, Naomi said to her, Look, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. You should do the same. Sometimes loyalty requires you to be counterculture. Sometimes faithfulness requires for you to do what others don't do. And everybody else is following one direction. Faithfulness requires you to turn your back on the world and do the exact opposite thing. All the 11 disciples, they had to leave, run away from Jesus. There was one who kept going. He kept inching forward. He didn't make any wild promises to Jesus, but he kept going. And when Jesus was on the cross, it was only John who was left. All the 11 left. All the 11 ran away. All the, the ones that were fed and the ones that were healed and the ones that were provided, all of them were not to be found, but there was a John who kept pushing. You know, in the Gospels, you don't hear a lot of radical things about John. You don't hear that he, he walked on the water. You don't hear about how he, you know, brought money for Jesus. Nothing. No phenomenal things. But the one thing that the Gospel says is that he was there till the end. Can you cling on to something that God has given you? What is it that God has given you? Who is it that God has given you? The Lord is releasing the grace to go counterculture, to, to not do what the other 11 are doing. Because Naomi herself is saying, learn from Orpah. Look at what Orpah is doing. Look at how Orpah has gone, gone back to her gods, gone back to her family, gone back to her people, gone back to that blessing. Why don't you do the same? But Ruth said, no, I'm not, I'm, I'm not the ones... I'm not the kind that will do the same. Read verse 16 with me. This is phenomenal. This is a scripture you should memorize. It says, Ruth replied, don't ask me to, to either leave you or to turn back from you. Because wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will now be my people and your God will be... You know why she's saying this? Because Naomi just said, Orpah went back to her gods. Now, Ruth says, I don't care. Your people, they are going to be my people. Your God will be my God. She's saying, I don't know anything about this God. I don't have a revelation of this God like you do. But this God that you worship, I want this God. This God that you have clung on to and you're going back to Bethlehem in spite of having everything provided for you, everything taken care of you here in Moab. This God that you're trusting and you're going to Bethlehem for, I want this God. And she says, your people will be my people and your God will be my God. The next verse, verse 17, wherever you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. 
And she says, may the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. She's not saying, I'm, I'm going to serve you till, you know, you are settled here in Judah and then I'll go back. She's, she is making a permanent vow. She's saying, this is who I will be for the rest of my life. I'll be your daughter. I'll be serving you. I will, I'll be faithful here. I don't care what opportunities come to me. I don't care what all I need to do. But, the, but this is who I am for the rest of my life. That, my friends, is faithfulness. Faithfulness is not what you do in one season of life. Faithfulness is what, not what you do when you're being taken care of. Faithfulness is not what you do when, you know, you, you're, being, you're being blessed and you're being provided for and you're getting what you need. Faithfulness is saying, hey, this is it. Uh, this is the road I'm walking on for the rest of my life. No turning back. Absolutely no turning back. This is a decision we need to make in our relationship with God. There are some things that God has given you that you need to cling tightly to today. This is a decision you need to make in your relationships with your spouses if you're married. You need to cling tightly to that marriage. You need to cling tightly to the relationships that he has given you. This is a decision that some of you may have to make in regards to your commitment to your church, in regards to your commitment to your workplace. Some of you, it may not necessarily be one office, but it may be an assignment that God has given you. It may not necessarily be about a company, but what is your role going to be as long as you're going to be working? What is your role in the kingdom of God? How are you going to serve the kingdom of God? You need to cling tightly to your Naomi. Yeah, right now, your Naomi looks disrespected. Right now, your Naomi looks like she cannot produce any results for you. Right now, your Naomi looks like she's completely off her game. Even God doesn't want her on his table. But if you know who your Naomi is, may I invite you to cling tightly to your Naomi. May I invite you to just say, I don't care what else the world's got to offer me. This is, this is my inheritance. Bethlehem is my portion. I'm going to cling on to my Naomi. Wherever you live, I'm going to live there. Wherever you die, I'm going to die there. Wherever you Serve God. I'm going to serve God there. The same way that you serve God. Because your God is going to be my God. Your people. When you hang out with somebody. Even if I don't like them. I'm going to call them my people. See. She was a Moabite with a completely different culture. Now she's coming to Bethlehem. Which has a completely different culture. And now she's saying. This people that I'm coming to. They are going to be my people. They are the ones that I'm going to serve. They are the ones that I'm going to live among. You know, when we've reached a place where we have hurt God and when we have hurt the people around us and when we have hurt uh, our own selves because of our lack of loyalty and our lack of faithfulness, it is necessary that we come to God and ask Him to help us. Because like I began saying, Kindness and faithfulness is not a result of your hard work. It is not a result of your prayer. It is not a result of your tithing. It's a result of the Holy Spirit's filling inside of you. Do you know this? What is the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, 
peace. Joy is not a result of you watching a good movie. Peace is not a result of no problems in your life. Patience is not a result of, you know, everything working out for you. No, all of this is a result of you being full of the Holy Spirit. So if you are struggling in this area, I'm not asking you to try harder. I'm not asking you to, you know, make some resolutions right now to not do this and to do... No, no, no. I'm asking you to be filled with God's Spirit. Because when He comes and fills you, He will fill you with all the love that you need. If you feel like, oh, I can't love this guy anymore, then you need the Holy Spirit. Because when He fills you, He fills you with love. Let's read what David said when he was going through this season of unfaithfulness. When he was going through this season where he had broken trust with God. He said, create in me a clean heart, O God. And renew, the NLT Bible says, renew a loyal spirit within me. He's saying, this is not something I can get in my head. This is not something I can get with my, um, you know, resolutions correct. No, no, this is a, a spiritual thing. So will you renew a loyal spirit, a right spirit, a correct spirit, a, a faithful spirit within me? Renew a right spirit within me. That's a prayer we got to pray this morning, saying, God, I, I know I have messed up this last in 2021, but in 2022, I want you to renew a loyal spirit within me. Renew that spirit, renew my kindness, renew my faithfulness, renew my ability to stay put even when I don't see results. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 3. Never let loyalty and kindness leave you. What does it say? Tie them around your neck as a reminder. Make a locket out of it. Or put a ring on your finger. Do something so you can be reminded of what you're called for. Write them deep within your heart. You see, he's saying these things, what you got to be loyal to and who you got to be kind towards, these things have to be hung on your, uh, your neck as a reminder. Something that you can keep looking at and keep reminding you, hey, I'm called for Bethlehem. Hey, Naomi is, is where I have to be uh, faithful to. Naomi is who I cling to. And he says, write them deep within your heart. Because when you cling to loyalty, when you cling to kindness, it says, then you will find favor, verse 4, with God and with people. And what will you do? You will earn a good reputation, a good reputation. We know the story of Ruth. It says that Ruth, she met Boaz and, and Boaz was being kind to her. It says, Ruth, she fell at his feet and thanked him warmly. What have I done to deserve such kindness? She asked. I am only a foreigner. Boaz replied, yes, I know. But I also know about everything that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. Then I have heard how you left your father and mother and your own land to live here among complete strangers. The next line, I've not put it there. He, he explains, he says, now may the God of Israel under whose wings you have come to take refuge. May he honor you. May he bless you. May he be faithful to you. She had a good reputation. She had favor with not just God, now she had favor with people. 
What is the benefit of faithfulness, you ask? What is the blessing of loyalty? What's the blessing of kindness? It is that you get favor with God and man and you earn a good reputation, the Bible says. Paul would write to the church at Thessalonica in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 5. He says, dear brothers and sisters, we can't help but thank God for each of you because your faith, it is flourishing and your love for one another, it is growing. So we proudly tell God's other churches about your endurance and faithfulness in all the persecutions and hardships that you are suffering. You know, many people, they left their allegiance, one to God, second to Paul, when they experienced persecutions and hardships. But the church at Thessalonica, the more they suffered, the stronger they became. It says their faith continued to flourish and their love continued to grow stronger every passing day. So now what does Paul do? He says, now we proudly tell other people. Now their reputation is being spread to other churches. He's saying, now we tell every church about your endurance and about your faithfulness in the persecutions and the hardships that you are suffering. So my, my prayer this morning is that your life your story, your devotion, your loyalty, that it'll not just be a testimony, it'll it'll not just be a a reputation that you will have, it'll not just be a favor that you will have, it'll be a reason for many more people to become faithful, to become loyal, and to become committed seeing your life. They have to see your marriage, and they have to say, if God can rescue this guy, then God can help me. If they they have to see your career, and your commitment, your devotion to your calling. And they have to see if God can bring this guy out of a stage where he was bankrupt to a stage where he is now prosperous and increasing and abounding because he stayed committed to this calling, because he clung tightly to his Naomi and to his Bethlehem, then I'm going to do the same. I'm going to cling tightly to what God has spoken to me. I'm going to cling tightly to my Bethlehem. I'm going to cling tightly to my Naomi. Let me finish with this encouragement that Jesus gave to the church in Revelation chapter 3 and verse 11. He said, I am coming soon. So hold on to what you don't have. No, no, no. To what you're going to get. All the prophecies that you got about what you're going to get. No, no, no. There are certain things that you already have. Let me ask you, what do you have? Will you cling on to that? Will you hold tightly to that? He's saying, if you don't do that, other somebody will come and take away your crown. But if you will hold on to what you have, if you remain loyal, if you're faithful, then no one can take away your crown. No one can take away the, the blessings that I have in store for you. There is definitely blessings here on earth. And then there is blessings that will come when he returns. He's saying, when I come, I am going to come with a crown of honor, a crown of life, a crown of favor, a crown of blessing, a crown of good reputation for each and every one of you. But it's going to come only to those who hold on to what they have. So this morning, I'm not asking you to make a commitment in front of everybody, but I want you to make a commitment before the Lord. 
And I want you to tell the Lord what are those things that you are going to hold on to. What are those things that you are going to cling tightly to? What are those things that you want to give your life to serve? Ask the Lord to show you your Naomi. Ask the Lord to show you your assignment. Ask the Lord to show you your Bethlehem. Ask the Lord to give you a revelation of where you need to be planted. Thank you for tuning in for today's sermon. We hope this word has been a blessing to you. Do visit us at dreamingrevival.com for more information. You are welcome to tune in every Sunday for our live celebration service at 11am at youtube.com slash pastor God bless you and have a blessed week.